place it comfortably. Everyone. I was reflecting on what I was talking about today. There's two things I want to talk about, and they they uh, they, they may sound like they're in contradiction to one another, actually. But um, bear with me. I don't think they are. But the first thing I just want to do uh, to say, and which I do from time to time, um, is just talk about the ceremony or the ritual that we have in seeing. Um because uh, it can sometimes fall, sort of, I don't know if this is actually the correct word, but it kind of atrophies, it kind of, um, uh, we, we can tend to lose the sharpness of the form after a while and become too casual about it. And um, one of the metaphors I often use about um, Zen ritual or Dharma ritual and the way that we do things it's just simply a form, like there is a form of uh, dancing or um, a form of actually playing music or whatever. Ultimately, there's no right or wrong to it, but it's a form that we follow. And, and I do have an expectation as a teacher that when people come here, they follow our form. Um, and it's not that complicated. When, when you come in, you do a standing bow. And... When you walk in the dojo, you walk in that formal um, kin-hing position. I've noticed a number of people start to just sort of walk casually, um, but it's in that in that kin-hing position, and uh, because there's a certain formality that we're, we're we're creating in coming in, and then when you come to your cushion, you bow to your cushion, and then you bow to everyone else, and you sit down, and then we follow the reading, um, we hold the books in a certain way. And with the readings, I do expect that everyone um, will do the reading together, like, kind of like a, a, a choir doing it. Mm -hmm. um, the kinhin and the sitting follows itself, you know, and you just fit in and learn what everyone's doing and fit in and do it. Um, and I've uh, often used the, um, the uh, metaphor is that it's like following this thin form is like kind of like square dancing, you know. It's it's a certain way that you dance. It's not right or wrong. It's just a way that people have of knowing all the steps together, so they so they dance in harmony together. Um, and if I go to um, an Irish music group, which I go to, I don't go there and start playing jazz or rock and roll. I don't even go there playing Scottish music because that's quite a little bit different too. So there's a certain form to it. And you follow the rhythm of that, you know, and the harmony of that. So in doing everything together and following it as we do, um, we're creating a form. It's kind of like a dance or dharma theatre in a way. And um, the idea is to harmonise with everyone. So we're, we're all kind of like members of a choir, all singing in tune together. Uh, it's important to follow that. Now, someone came along and so they're, they're very devout Christian or Muslim or whatever, and they found that it was quite confronting to bow to a Buddha or whatever, well, they just shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And if you felt that strongly about it, like it's really offensive, well, you just shouldn't be here, it's the wrong place for you. Um, but in, in a sense, it's just following, following a procedure like you follow a dance. It's not a, an ultimate right or wrong to it, but it's the, the form that we have. Now, having said that, and having been an authority on that, I want to speak about authority. <laughs> and um, 
uh, we can. There's two positions often people can take in life. They either um, are looking for an authority to tell them what to do or what to think or what to believe or whatever, um, what moral positions to take on certain issues and so on. Um, or alternatively, people become an authority and tell other people what they should do with their lives. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we do a bit of both at times. And um, often looking for an authority, you know, um, or a teacher, you know, to tell you how you should live your life, um, has a kind of quality, like a child quality to it, of looking to, for mummy or daddy, you know, to tell us what we should do. Or we become a mummy or a daddy, we become very parental in the way that we relate to other people. And the role of a, of a, a Zen teacher is really to be a guide, which is different from being an authority. And a guide gives you um, skills to learn, you know, or reminders of how you do things, just like a, a music teacher, you know, teach you how to play a flute, whatever. So it's really, really being a guide. And, um, and really what it points to is the third line in our practice principles, um, um, according to self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Life is the teacher. Right? Or as Joko used to say, um, when people used the word Zen masters and so on, um, life is the master. That's the ultimate teacher. And a Zen teacher simply guides you back to that teacher. Right? And to follow on the words I was uh, saying during meditation is that the, the teaching is there all the time. You know, we're always searching for something else outside of this or some meaning, you know, some profound, some, something profound. Um, but it comes back to fire is hot. Mm -hmm. Water is wet. It's those simple kind of facts and those simple truths that we return to, and life is teaching us that all the time. It's saying to us, fire is hot, <coughs> mm -hmm. wind blows, water is wet. By the way, fire is fire, you know, fire is hot. It's like teaching us all the time, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, it's the teacher. And we go, yeah, but it can't be bad. <laughs> right. Read the Bible, right. read um, the Diamond Sutra, right? Whatever it is head in the book, looking for something else, when it's there telling us every moment of our lives what the great way is, mm -hmm. until we eventually wake up and we realise that's all it is, you know, and then we're in harmony with life. Not just in harmony with a ritual, we're actually in harmony with life. And that is the, that is the, the essential thing. It's not about becoming, it's not about becoming an authority, it's not about following an authority, but in a sense, finding the authority in what life presents to us each moment and being true to that. Then, just second to that, to look at it more psychologically, what we experience as human beings is not just the fire and the water and those kind of elements and the environment outside of us, but 
as sentient beings, we also have feelings, and we have a whole repertoire of feelings that we have anger, love, joy, fear, sadness, shame, etc. And um, when you practice mindfulness and you're aware of not only the, the fact of your external environment as it is, but also your inner experience, um, in a sense, if you really become open, openly mindful to your own experience, and by openly mindful I mean being, really just truly being with what is there, rather than what you'd like to be there, then in a sense you become um, the best expert on your own experience, right? If you're true to it. Like, you know what you're feeling, right? You know what you're feeling more than anyone else actually knows what you're feeling. You know? And in a sense, one of the psychological transformations that can come out of Zen practice in a psychological sense is that you, you become very mindful and accurate and not distorting the truth about what, you, what your inner experience is. So you're actually true to each passing emotional experience. If you're angry, you're angry. If you're sad, you're sad. If you're loving, you're loving. And you know from the inside what that experience is. But what often happens in human interaction um, is that people tell other people what they're feeling or what they should be feeling, and that often confuses people. Right? But at the end of the day, you're the one who experiences what you experience, and, and if, you, if you're open to yourself and honest, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. Some of the worst offenders in this regard um, are psychologists <laughs> yeah, and psychotherapists. Um, they, can, they can often, because I see them in couple therapy where one is a therapist or a psychologist and they bring their partner in for couple therapy and it's like they speak from this authoritative position that they know what their partner is feeling better than what they do. And I really challenge that. I really get them out of that. They don't know. Um, and then it undermines that other person's, the non-therapeutic spouse, it, it, it undermines their sense of um, their own connectedness to themselves and who they are. Um, so that's one of the one of the benefits that comes from this too. We we become true to the environmental experience of the here and now, but we also become um, true to what our own inner experience is as well. And um, when we're true to it, um, then there's a harmony inside and there's a harmony outside. We create disharmony in ourselves as human beings when, um, say, we're actually angry, but we're denying that we're angry, or we're, we're sad and we're denying that we're sad, um, for whatever reason. As soon as we actually become one with it, it becomes non-problematic. So, that's all I have to say.